So I'll just leave that here as a reminder. Great. So and you want me to just call you back up? Yeah. Okay. We'll do that, and then we'll do the other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably do this after everything. Okay. Yeah. This is called Church on the Go. It's real fun. It's, That's uh, because Noel's a great guy to do church with. Yeah, Church on the Go. That's right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. I feel like I should have one of those cool armbands. I can come up and go, Omaha! Omaha! That means we'll, we'll flip the order. That was a bad Peyton Manning football joke. That did not stick. I'll scratch that. I'm not going to use that again. Sorry. I think I... Yes. Uh, should have said... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say with this crowd sometimes. <laughs> hey, hey. So, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Merry Christmas to you all. Um, as Scott has said many times this morning, and I'm going to say many times. We're just going to. We're going to. You know, what's that saying? You have to hear it like 27 times before it sticks, or something. You may hear it at 27 times, two or three this morning. We are still celebrating Christmas, right? And today, technically, is the seventh day of Christmas. All right. You know me. We're all going to do this together. You ready? On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven, ah, seven swans are swimming. Let's try it again. You ready? On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven swans are swimming, six geese are laying, five golden rings. Love, here we go. Four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a in a pair. Beautiful. Seventh day of Christmas. You guys are the best. Thank you for humoring me, singing along with me. Um, yes, we, we want to be people that, um, that celebrate all 12 days of Christmas. Not just 12 days of Christmas. We really want to celebrate Christmas all year long. But we're in this season of Christmas right now because... Um, as I'm sure you all know, Christmas is worth more than just one day of celebrating, right? Because if you remember, we, we tried to like really be purposeful and engage in Advent before December 25th. That's why we kind of do it like that. That's why it's kind of hard to do this whole like church calendar thing in America because at Hobby Lobby... Like, they were playing Christmas carols on October 1st, right? So it's hard to, like, wait for Christmas. But if, if, if you're diligent, if, you, if you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to celebrate Christmas yet until December 25th, what happens is you're in the season of Advent, and you, you, you purposefully take this time to, like, expect the Lord and wait on the Lord. And, and you actually, like, enter into the darkness around you, and you don't try to fix it, and you don't try to, like, claw your way out. You just let the darkness be around you, and you sit in that for a little bit. And you realize, okay, not everything is right. Like, my life, this world, it's not all right. There's got to be something better. And when you let that season kind of fester in your soul, this idea of, ah, not everything is right, there's got to be something better. Then once we get to Christmas, it's like, boom, heaven's doors have flung open and we realize, yes, things are going to get better because we didn't have to sit in the darkness forever. Right? We've had this verse that's been up here for 30 days or so from Isaiah 9. Right? We were people who were walking in darkness, and then Christmas shows up, and we've seen a great light. We've seen a great light. And, and, and so we go from Advent, we enter Christmas, and we celebrate that even though there's still tragedy and there's still darkness around us, and we can see the consequences of the curse of sin kind of still all over our world, we celebrate that Christmas means that the light has shown up and things are getting 
better. We celebrate that because of Christmas, Yahweh has started this great like restoration project. And everything is being redeemed, and everything is being restored, and everything is being recreated, so that one day we all get the opportunity to be present in a new creation where every darkness is gone, the curse is totally banished, and we are in peace and harmony with King God forever. And it's going to be incredible. Look, there's going to be no more bills, no more taxes, right? There's going to be no more sleepless nights of screaming toddlers. Okay, amen. All right? I love my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Sleepless nights are the worst. Okay? That's not going to be in the new creation. There's going to be no more depression, no more anxiety, okay? No more racism, no more oppression, no more war, right? No more violence, no more curse, no more death. Right? Christmas means that one day every consequence of sin is going to be totally erased from the earth. And instead it's going to be replaced with music and art and really good feasts. And it's going to be replaced with uh, incredible mountain hikes and beautiful waterfalls and incredible rivers. And every good thing that we experience in this creation now on the earth, right, it's going to be amplified beyond our wildest dreams in the new creation. And we get to live under the rule of King Jesus and enjoy every good gift that he could possibly create in perfect relationship with each other and with him forever. That's what Christmas means. And, and um, that's why we have to celebrate it more than just one day or even more than just 12 days. We have to really kind of celebrate Christmas, right? God with us every day. Because it means that we are going somewhere, and that somewhere is going to be incredible. All right, so uh, thinking back on uh, Christmas on December 25th, though, um, one of the things I love about Christmas is that every family tends to have like a really fun tradition or ritual that they do every year that kind of helps that family celebrate Christmas, okay? So my family has a few, um, but I want to hear from you guys. What's do you do in your family that's like a yearly tradition that you just really look forward to and it helps you celebrate Christmas? Nate and Andrea, I know you all got a couple probably. We uh, drink reindeer and hot chocolate and eat caramel hot nuts, which are like cheese and then like really hot chocolate. Sounds awful. It sounds awesome, actually, yeah. You'll do that every year. That's a, like a, a yearly tradition you do that helps you celebrate Christmas. That's awesome. Pains, what's a yearly ritual you all do to help you celebrate Christmas every year? Jason started this last year where he makes hot chocolate for everybody and we go around and get Christmas presents. Love it. Put a pin in that because I'm going to come back to that. Um, let's see. Let's, let's, let's hear from like an older family who's been doing this for a long time. Gallagher's. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I only called on you because you can handle the joke. But what's something you guys do to celebrate Christmas every year? It's like your yearly tradition that helps you really celebrate the season. Like Christmas Day or leading up to... Anything, in, anything in that whole season. Some of them over 
Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Every family has like their thing that they do every single year. Right? And in my family, one of the things that we did, not really so much anymore, because all of my parents' kids, we've all grown up and have families of our own now, so we have started our own traditions. But for like the first 13 years of my life, right, before my older brother got married, um, we would do this thing where we would go um, to the Christmas Eve service, and then after the Christmas Eve service, we'd all hop in the car, and we'd go to a neighborhood, and we'd look at Christmas lights. Um, but while we were doing that, we would pop in Amy Grant Christmas cassette tape... <laughs> we crank it up to 11, and we would sing loudly and look at Christmas lights in one of the neighborhoods in my hometown. We did that every Christmas, right? So 6 o'clock, Christmas Eve service, you're out at like 6.55, hop in the Chevrolet Astro van. It was a beautiful gray and teal, really attractive, but it fit all five of us, right? Pop in Tinder Tennessee Christmas. The only Christmas for me. The only Christmas for me. Yeah, Exactly. We may not see snow like in Colorado. Um, but, yeah, so crank it up, sing out loud, and we would just have so much fun. We'd laugh. We'd go, ooh, and ah, and really cheesy, like purposely cheesy ways when we see really cool lights. And, like, those 30 minutes that we did every single year on Christmas Eve were, like, my favorite 30 minutes of the whole year. Okay? Even on years when my family did something really, like, extraordinary, when we would say, there were a couple of times when after Christmas, like around this time of the year, we would go skiing or something, right? Like an awesome trip, right? We'd go up to like Colorado Springs, not Colorado Springs. We'd go up to like Keystone or um, Winter Park. That's the one we went to a lot. And we'd like go skiing. And those are like the really extraordinary things. But even on those Christmas years, it was those 30 minutes of the really, like, if you think about it, it's just an ordinary thing. It's just a family getting in a car and turning on bad music. Sorry, Amy Lee Grant. It's not bad music. I don't know why. She's not dead. I don't know why I did this. Sorry, Amy Lee Grant. If you're listening to our podcast, your music is still great. Um, And we would sing, and it was just like an ordinary thing. But those ordinary 30 minutes, that ordinary tradition that we did every year, like that is where I felt the presence of God the most in the Christmas season. And really, I think if you guys think about your traditions Um, it's probably the same for you. Like you have some seemingly ordinary stuff that you do every year, but because you do it and because you do it with like this purpose of celebrating Christmas, that ordinary thing is where you really experience the goodness and the presence of God. And I think that's how God is if you really look at the Christmas story, right? If Christmas shows us anything, it shows us that God likes to show up in the most ordinary of ways in the most ordinary of circumstances, right? And unless we allow ourselves to be fully present in the daily, ordinary things, we often miss God's presence. So as we look back at the Christmas story, right, we typically like to glamorize the details, right? We got singing angels, and we got wise men, and crazy, right? We like to glamorize these things, but if you actually look at Matthew 1 and Luke 2, right, it's just ordinary thing after ordinary thing. Right? First, you have like the ordinariness of God coming to earth. Right? God. Something we can't even truly comprehend coming to earth, not in this like chariot of fire, not in this cloud of lightning, not with this giant flaming billboard saying, what's up world? It's, he comes to earth as a baby, a human baby that poops and cries and screams in the middle of the night and keeps their parents awake. Right? And not even like a baby born to Caesar or a baby born to a wealthy Roman family. 
right? And the Roman Empire pretty much controlled the world at that time, right? God came and he was born as a baby and his parents were second-class, poor, like, oppressed citizens. Ordinary, ordinary, right? And then you think about Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, right? They come from the town of Nazareth, which is kind of like Lubbock, Texas, right? There's nothing to do, right? It's boring. It's like the most ordinary of towns. Nazareth is ordinary, all right? And then if you think about it, they only traveled to Bethlehem because Caesar ordered a census. And the only reason Caesar ordered the census is because he wanted to make sure that everyone who lived in the Roman Empire was getting taxed, right? Ordinary government stuff, counting people to pay taxes. There's nothing less or more ordinary than that. I mean, that is like just what we have to do every day, All right? And think about Jesus' birth being announced, Right? It was first announced to this group of like smelly, dirty shepherds in a field. Okay? Like the most ordinary group of people it could be announced to. And then think of the location. Right? Jesus wasn't born in the castle, he wasn't born in the temple, right? He was born in some back room surrounded by animals and feeding troughs and probably like plowing tools and hay, right? The stuff of an ordinary farmer. Okay, everything about the Christmas story is is ordinary, right? God showed up on the earth and hardly anybody noticed because it was so ordinary. The Christmas story reminds us that Jesus is often incredibly close to us in the everyday mundane, but we miss him all the time. God is hiding in plain sight. And Family, as we leave 2017, and today is Christmas, I'm sorry, today is New Year's Eve, um, and we step into 2018 tomorrow, right? I think God wants us to enter 2018 with a spirit of looking for his presence in the ordinary, mundane traditions, rituals of life. Because here's the thing about New Year's Eve, right? New Year's Eve is often a time where we make like big plans and we have big hopes and we write down like resolutions, right? We want to change this. We want to do this. It's like these really big, extraordinary things that we think about on New Year's Eve. And if we're not careful, we begin to look for God in the same way. We begin to say, okay, God, I want to experience you in a cloud of fire this year. I want to be like slain in the Holy Spirit. I want to have this unremarkable, like unbelievable miracle happen. I I want this big spectacle, and that's how I want to kind of experience you this year. And that's okay. Like God does that sometimes. But most times, months or years are going to go by, and we're going to be like, where was God? Because we were looking for him in the extraordinary And really the whole time, God was showing up over and over again at breakfast while you're cooking eggs. Or he was showing up on your commute to work. Or answering that email. Right? Or changing your kid's diapers. Right? Or doing the laundry. Or even when you're asleep. It's in the ordinary circumstances and ordinary routines and ordinary stuff of life that God shows up and is often Emmanuel. So... Family, this morning we're going to do something kind of a little different. And some of y'all may be like, eh, this is weird. Just lean in, go with me. I think it's going to be really, really beneficial for our souls. Um, So how do we celebrate Christmas, right? How should we properly leave 2017, enter into 2018 in a way that makes this next year a year where we experience God more 
in the ordinary among us. Okay? So our text this morning, I think, answers that in a really beautiful way. It's Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Um, I love how it's um, kind of said in the message version, so I'm going to read it for you. So here's what I want you to do. This is Paul speaking, right? Here's what I want you to do, and you is all of you. Okay? Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. I love how he says that. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're waking up. You're making eggs. You're brushing your teeth. You're getting your kids ready for school. Right? You're answering emails at work. You're commute. Right? Take all that and look for God in that. Because he's often hiding in plain sight. When I read that passage from Paul, that encouragement, it really reminds me of this very famous quote that I think is really beautiful, and just because it's famous doesn't make it any less true. It's by an author, an American author, beloved American author, Annie Dillard. Okay, I'm sure you've all heard this quote, and I believe that her quote is actually like a great summary of what Paul is trying to say. The quote is this, How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. When you think about, when you picture, how do I want to spend my life? Your life is going to look like how you spend your days every day. And how we spend our days is a lot of times just doing ordinary stuff. Because that's what it takes. We have kids. We have families. We have jobs. And so it's not like, okay, how do I just shirk all my responsibilities and go and seek the next big thing, right? That's kind of the New Year's Eve resolution coming out in us. I think God's saying, no. How do we spend those days so that our lives are, are taking this ordinary mundane and God's curating it into something beautiful? So family, as we celebrate Christmas, as we celebrate that God shows up among his people, my hope for us is that 2018 is a year where we can take the seemingly very ordinary moments of our days and let God make them into something beautiful. All right, my hope is that this is the year where we stop spending all of our energy looking for the next like mountaintop high experience. And instead, we offer up the everyday things of life. Right? Instead, we make room, we make space for us to be fully present in the everyday and for us to look for Emmanuel, God with us, often hiding in plain sight in the everyday stuff. My hope is that 2018 is a year that God brings out the best of us and that a year from now we can look back and we can say, yeah, I'm, well, I'm more developed, I'm more mature now than I was then because I spent my ordinary days in a way pleasing to God. So we're going to do something a little different this morning. To kind of, It's just going to be kind of like a very liturgical, practical way to step into 2018. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start kind of this transition into the new year by doing one of the most ordinary things that there is, and that's communion. Okay, if you think about communion, think about the elements of communion, it's just bread and wine. 
There's nothing special about bread and wine. It wasn't just like Jews or followers of Jesus that had bread and wine. Bread and wine was at every single table across all of the like ancient Near Eastern world. It's just the stuff that was on the table all the time. And so what Jesus does with that ordinary stuff is he's, he repurposes it into something that's beautiful and it's meaningful. He takes this ordinary stuff and he says, okay, when you do this ordinary thing of eating and drinking bread and wine, right, do it in a way that's, that's making this ordinary and, and turning it into something beautiful and forming in you. So we're going to start by taking communion, okay? So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to all get up and... Uh, Go and rip off a piece of bread. We have wine on the left. We have grape juice on the right. Um, pour just a little bit and then come back to your seat before eating it. And then we're going to kind of do like a meditation. Um, and we're going to really just ask God to help us reflect on our year, to help us um, be present in the moment right now. And then we're going to kind of just very practically step into 2018. So first, go grab a piece of bread. Go grab grape juice or wine. Don't eat it or drink it yet. Come back to our seats and then we'll continue on with this meditation. Okay. And as we begin to head back to our seats, 
Um, here's what we're going to do. Try to, to put your, your cup and your bread either in the same hand or maybe right down beside you. Because um, I want you to use one of your hands. And we're going to close our eyes. And with your other hand, I want you to put it on your heart. And I want you to try to feel your heartbeat. Try to find your heartbeat. For those of you like Andrea who are like medical professionals, it's probably a much easier way to do that. So if you want to do it somewhere else, try to feel your heartbeat with your hand. Close your eyes. And, and, and I want you to try and stop your thoughts. Like whatever you're thinking about, just stop it and just focus on feeling your heartbeat. Okay, so as we make our way back, I'll explain it again for those of you all still getting over there. But it can oftentimes take a while for us to, to stop what we're doing. So as we get back to our seats, just maybe put both elements in one hand or put them on the chair next to you. Close your eyes. Try to stop your thoughts. Put your hand somewhere where you can feel your heartbeat. And I want you to just focus on that heartbeat. Listen to the rhythm. Feel how strong it is. And as our thoughts come to a complete stop and we have come into a place where we're just focusing on our heartbeat, I want you to now think about your breathing as well and how it goes in and out. Your heart beats 100,000 times a day. Your lungs breathe in and out all day long. And you don't even have to really think about it. How often do we even think about it? How often do we stop and reflect on what is the most ordinary thing of life? A beating heart, breathing lungs. Yet these things, right? The heart beating, the lungs breathing in and out. These two things are the very essence of God in you. They are signs of the divine working in you every second of every day, keeping you alive. God is keeping you alive through this beating heart, through these breathing lungs, every second of every day. Your very life is a gift. So continue to feel your heartbeat. Continue to think about your breathing. But now I want us to try and remember a moment in 2017. Any moment where you truly saw God show up in that moment. There was no doubt that you could see the presence of God in that moment in your life. I want you to think about it. And I want you to try to go back into that moment. Put yourself in that memory again. It can be a recent moment. It can be back in last January. And as you find that season where God definitely showed up, I want you to remember how you felt when you realized that God was Emmanuel. He was with you in that His presence was undeniable.
And I want you to try to remember how beautiful it felt. How peaceful, how joyful it was that the presence of God was with you. Remember what he has done for you. And as you remember what it was like to see God in that moment, I want you to take the bread and eat it. And remember that every good gift, every present moment where God shows up is something he has done for you to bring you from darkness to light. All right, now, this one's not going to be quite as fun. I want you to think back to one of your darkest moments of 2017. I want you to think back to a moment where it seems that God was nowhere to be found. And as hard as it is, I want you to try to put yourself back in that state. How did you feel? What were the circumstances? Picture yourself in that dark season again. Now, as you think of that memory from 2017, I want you to look around in that memory and see what might God have been up to. Where was he hiding in plain sight? Where was his presence? Was he trying to do something in you even in the midst of that dark season? Where was it that he showed up that you may have missed the first time around? Now I want you to drink the cup. And again, we're going to give thanks to God. Because even though we might not have seen him then, even though we may still not be sure where he was in that now, he too was Emmanuel in that season. He was God with us. All right, family. Now next, I want you to think about every part of your day tomorrow. Okay? New Year's Day. I want you to think about the ordinary, mundane stuff that you do every day. And as you put yourself in those ordinary moments of tomorrow, I want you to think about how can I do those things in a way that gives room and gives space for God to show up? And how can I do those things tomorrow in a way where I can be fully present and I can experience Emmanuel in them. I can experience the presence of God.
And then lastly, I want you to try and picture yourself one year from now. January 31st, 2018. And I want you to try and picture how God has matured you and he's developed you throughout the year. Right? How has God brought out the best in you so that you are living a more flourishing kingdom life than you are today? What addictions have you been freed from? What relationships have been restored? What daily, ordinary stuff of life have you changed or added or taken out of your life so that you can be more fully present in the ordinary moments and that so you can more clearly see Emmanuel, see God with us in the ordinary? I want us to keep our eyes closed, keep your hand on your heartbeat, and I'm going to pray for us. God, I pray that 2018 is a year where we don't try to jump from mountaintop to mountaintop. Where we don't try to fashion our lives out of extraordinary moments but instead where we can be fully present in the ordinariness of life. And we take all of those ordinary things and we offer them up to you as a sacrifice. We take waking up, breakfast, brushing our teeth, commuting to work, doing the dishes, doing the laundry, doing the bills, And we say, okay, God, I want to see you in that. I know you're here. I know you are Emmanuel. I know you showed up in this. I want to experience your presence. Jesus, thank you that you were doing something in us throughout 2017. Through the good and through the awful. You were still doing something in us. Jesus, we pray that you continue to work in us. You continue to bring us into well-developed maturity in you. And that a year from now, we can look back and say, yes, my relationship with you, King Jesus, is better and more intimate and more life-giving than it was last year. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.